So it's my, I'm going to um, do the introduction and then I will hand over to Josh. So we are in the middle of doing a, a series on family matters, uh, which is looking at all sorts of matters, topics within family as a church family, uh, but also as our individual family. And two weeks ago, Josh um, spoke on biblical view of marriage. So he did the first part based on Genesis. So for Andra och tredje Mosebok, Genesis 2 and 3. Uh, looking at the overview of marriage, biblical marriage. So this is like part two. So if you weren't here two weeks ago, can I encourage you to listen to it? It's on um, Good First. It's on our website. Um, uh, because it's, this is like the second part, if you know, if you understand what I mean. So marriage. <laughs> it's a big topic. Um, it's, um, we have all sorts of experiences uh, of marriage, maybe none, uh, maybe bad experiences, good experiences. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to talk on it, but I also feel very nervous. So you have to bear with me <laughs> because I don't feel qualified. There might be people in here who have been married um, longer than I have, um, but that's okay. Um, it's going to be good. So, well, I hope so anyway. <laughs> it's, uh, but... Um, so the first sort of um, thing that I want to say is that we are not marriage experts. Josh started off his preach uh, saying that as well. We don't have a perfect marriage. And I don't think anyone has a perfect marriage because it's made up of two people that are not perfect. And two imperfect people don't make a perfect marriage. Um, and the first thing that I just want to, where I want to start is that we are broken people. Uh, that we are uh, desperately in need of Jesus, a savior. We uh, need to have a good doctrine of sin, understanding that um, we are needing a savior to save, save us so that we can approach a holy God. Um, so once we meet Jesus and are saved, we are uh, always, always saved. And hopefully we begin a journey of change. Of, of, uh, with the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we become more and more like Jesus. Um, and so marriage is a journey, okay? So I can tell you, Josh and I, when we got married 11 and a half, 11 and a half years ago, 2008, we are different to when we got married. And I hope that I will be different in 10 years' time. Like, we are on a journey of, of change, uh, of hopefully the aim is to become more and more like Jesus. Um, and uh, as a, so, so we are not perfect. Our marriage is not perfect, but we have a heart, and it's a passion of ours, is to see what does the Bible say about everything in our lives, including our marriages? How can we let biblical truth shape us and our marriage? So, Josh, I'll hand over to, sorry, if that was quick. Uh, so, if you've got your Bibles, please do turn them to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, uh, which is where we're going to be spending our time this morning. As you do that, um, looking at biblical marriage and the roles that we have within the marriage, the roles that the wife has, the roles that the husband has, can potentially be quite controversial, can perhaps be different to what you have experienced in your own background, can be different to what you have experienced in the culture that you're from or the culture that we live in today. And as such, it is very, very important that we get the right foundation, that we understand why we are passionate about trying to have a biblical marriage. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, The spirit in which we approach this matter is most important. Everything that is done in the realm of the church is different from what is done outside. Everything that is done in the realm of the church is different from what is done outside. The world, in its debating societies, debates the subject of marriage and does so in a particular way and manner, two sides, for and against, the supporters and the partisans. But that is not the way which the church faces the problem. It does not face any problem like that. Here, we are confronted by the authority which we have in the word, we are not concerned to express our opinions. Our one purpose is to understand the teaching of the word. Our one purpose is to understand the teaching of the word. So we, as a church, have a really high value of scripture. We believe that it is God's word, and we believe that it is powerful, and that it speaks into this culture, it speaks into our lives, and that is what we want to look at today. We want to see how does the word, how does God's word affect our marriages? And what we see in the book of Ephesians, which if you have 15 minutes at some point this week or 15 minutes every day, can I encourage you, read the book of Ephesians. It is a short read and it is an incredibly good read. It is so powerful. And what we see in the book of Ephesians is we see that we were once objects of wrath. We see at the first few chapters, we, we, we were against God. We were going with this culture. Um, and then we see in Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, sent Jesus, and he adopts us into his family. And so that we're now no longer following the course of the world, but we're following, thank you very much, but we're following Jesus we're part of his family. We're part of the family of God. And we see that. We're rescued all the way through Ephesians. And it's all because of Christ. It's lost it again. <laughs> I can just go back. It's fine, Verity. I can just do, I can do the dance. It's all because of Christ. And we see that. It's all because of Christ. And so I just want to start off by saying, if you're in here this morning and you don't say that Jesus is your number one, and you don't follow Jesus as your saviour, as your Lord, I want to encourage you, as interesting as it is to hear what the Bible says about marriage, what the Bible says about the role of a woman, the role of a man within marriage, this isn't going to save you. This isn't going to earn God's love. Because we find out that actually we're walking with enemies of God without Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, Listen, if you're not a Christian, if you don't follow Jesus, listen and learn about marriage. But there's something that is so much more important, and that is to find out who Jesus is. He made bold claims in his life, the biggest being, I am God, which eventually got him killed. But he still affects people's lives all around the world to this day. He changes people's lives. He's changed my life. He's changed many people's lives in here. He brings us into the family of God. Not how good you are, not how good your marriage is, or how good you can do the roles in marriage, or whatever. But it's all through grace. It's all because of Jesus. And so listen, if you, if you wouldn't call yourself a follower, absolutely. But understand this, it's all of grace. It's all of Jesus. Look at him. And then having 
follow, decided to follow Jesus and being brought into the family, we see again in Ephesians this word, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Start to do things because you now have a different position. You are now a child of God, which means actually things can get to change. There is hope. There is future. There is possibility for life change. And we look at scripture to see how we can change our lives. And so scripture speaks into marriage as well as so many other areas. So hopefully, Ephesians chapter 5, you are there by now? The dance begins. Uh, We're going to start just with the first uh, verse, and then we're going to jump to 15. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, which we did this morning, in psalms and hymns, the addressing one another in the Spirit, not the getting drunk bit. I hope you understand that. Uh, it, with uh, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, that scripture is tough. There's no way around it. And I remember before, before I met Nina, I, I, so Nina was my first girlfriend. I didn't have a girlfriend before Nina. And before I met Nina, I thought, I'm going to be the best boyfriend ever. I'm going to be the best husband. I am going to, anything that Nina wants, or I didn't know it was Nina then. I didn't like follow her around. I think, you know, I'm going to get you. I will become the best. Uh, Anything that, you know, my future girlfriend, possibly future wife wants, I want to give to her. I'm going to give to her. I'm going to be like the best there is. And then I got a girlfriend. And I got married. And I realized how selfish I am. I realized the, the first, I'd say five years, eight years perhaps of our marriage, I realized just how selfish I am, how foolish I was to think I could be the best. Because I just like, I realized, boy, Josh, you, you want things that you want and you don't care so much about what Nina wants. 
it's difficult, as we're going to go on to see. And we need to understand that God has called us. God, As I've said, God has given us scripture. He said, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And God has called us to live out this, but it's very, very difficult. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, do we need to do this alone? And the answer is a resounding no. You see, as Jesus left his disciples, who were all sort of like probably arguing and confused about what was going on, he said, I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm going, but it's better that I go. I'm sending the Spirit who will help you. The Spirit is known as the helper. And so when we come to this and when we think about marriage, we think, wow, this is really difficult. I am really selfish. We need to welcome God into our marriages. We need to ask the Holy Spirit for help because that's what he is there for. He is there to help. And so we read in uh, verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so this is Paul's command. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, be filled with the Spirit. And in fact, a better translation is go on being filled. This isn't a one-off thing. And that's why he puts it with being drunk. Because you don't just get drunk once and that's it and you're drunk for the rest of your life. You need to go on getting drunk. But he says, don't do that. That's debauchery. You shouldn't do that. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He says this, do this instead. Be filled with the Spirit. But not just once, but you have to regularly go on being filled. If you want to live a life that's not selfish, that's patient, you need to ask God into your life. You need to ask for, your, for the help of the Holy Spirit, who is known as the helper. So point number one, you're not alone. Okay, As we look to live out godly marriages, do so with the help of the Spirit. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this. I've got a lot of good quotes from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, One of the ways in which I show that I'm filled with the Spirit is not so much that I go into ecstasies and manifest certain phenomena. It is the way I behave towards my wife when I am at home. It is this love which is the fruit of the Spirit. Point number one, invite the helper to help. Okay, Uh, so first of all, I just want to touch on, um, uh, Josh spoke more about this uh, two weeks ago when he talked from Genesis 2 and 3. He talked about marriage being a partnership and Adam and Eve uh, being created by God in the image of God where they had a job to look after and subdue the garden. So uh, I'm going to talk on wives submitting to uh, the husbands, but I also want to begin by saying that marriage is a partnership. It is working as team, playing to each other's strengths. Um, so just a very simple example of that would be, I'm not a very good cook. I just don't. I, I, I can't cook, so it's best that I don't cook. Uh, so uh, what Josh does then, Josh is a good cook, so he pretty much cooks every every. Yeah, pretty much every day. Um, and I, but I'm organized. I, I, I'm good at finding out when, um, what needs to be done, when things should be done, when bills should be paid and so on. So I tend to do all that. And it's finding out what your wife and your husband's strength is, is um, and playing, you know, making sure that we do what we're gifted at. So it is um, teamwork. A football game um, or a football team is a really good picture of what it means to be team. So you, you have your players in different positions. Uh, hopefully you're playing in a position that you're very good at. 
that player can make decisions, uh, can, uh, you know, the captain doesn't say, okay, now turn right, turn left. The player does that. The player is able to make simple decisions or complex decisions. But there is a captain, there is a team captain. Um, and that is a little bit of what marriage is like, is that we are a team, but we have, Josh does have, uh, is like, is the captain. And I will talk more about what I mean by that. Um, I read in Exodus, so Andra Mosebok, um, in um, chapter 17, there's this picture that really spoke to me and uh, explained teamwork in a really good way. So the Israelites are fighting against the Amalekites. Yes, I think I said that correctly. And uh, Moses is leading the battle. He's leading the Israelites. Um, and um, he is saying to Joshua, he says, right, Joshua, you take your best man. You go off and fight. I'm going to go up on this hill. Uh, I have Aaron with me and I have her with me. Um, they are my helpers. Uh, and every time um, um, what Moses was doing, was he, he was holding up a big staff. And every time he was holding it up, the Israelites were winning. And every time he put it down, the Israelites were losing. Um, and this is what it says in verse 12. So when Moses' hands grew tired, because he was standing there for a long time, they took a stone. So Aaron and her took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands up, and one on one side and one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. I thought that was a really good picture of teamwork. So Moses holding up the staff, but he couldn't do it on his own. So he had Aaron and her holding up his hand for him because he was getting tired. And that is what it can be like sometimes. Marriage can be a really fun adventure. And marriage can also be you find yourself right in the middle of a battle. And, uh, you know, if we work together, I thought that is so challenging. We could be together. We can hold up that staff together and um, we can win this battle. I also want to say, before I go on to read and look very specifically at Ephesians, that men and women, um, Josh spoke about this uh, two weeks ago as well, are equal. Um, we are both created in the image of God. It's really important that we get that. Um, and I've put woman, woman, women and men, of course, can be great leaders. We have uh, women leaders in this church, um, and I myself lead in many different settings, in church, uh, but also in school. Um, I was head of year, uh, not now when I have Oscar and Freddie, but head of year leading large group of people of men and women. So they are, we are equal in God's eyes, we are created in his image, and uh, women can be great leaders, and so can men. It's not dependent on our gender here. But there is an order to marriage that God has given that we cannot get away from, that goes above culture. Um, so I want to read just my bit. My bit is really small compared to actually what the husband, that, the bit that's directing the husband. So I will read it, um, which just so we can look at uh, what I'm going to be saying. So it's chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. So it's, uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and, he, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, the word submission, at uh, underordna, say, in Swedish, 
is a word with a lot of baggage. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, we all have, we may be, I don't know what you're thinking when you hear the word submission. If you just type in submission into Google, it comes up with weak. It comes up with uh, a stronger force controlling you. And uh, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word submission. Um, maybe you think of this. Uh, this is, uh, <laughs> sorry guys, <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone, but it's a really good picture. You have Conor McGregor, uh, who is fighting Khabib uh, in the UFC, Ultimate, what was this? What did UFC stand for? <laughs> no. Not really. Well, yeah, it's a good picture. Maybe when you think of submission, you think of a stronger force. You think that, okay, in this case, I think Conor McGregor was pretty much beaten. Um, he had to submit. Otherwise, it was going to hurt. There was going to be a bone breaking. Um, and maybe you think, okay, fine, I, w I am submitting, uh, but it's going if I don't submit, it's going to hurt. Um, maybe you've seen submission modeled really badly either by someone who's been a stronger force, not uh, modeling Christ-like leadership in a good way at all, or maybe you have seen um, submission modeled in, in a really, pa um, leadership modeled in a really passive way. Uh, but this is just one example. Or maybe you look at this picture, and this, uh, you might relate to this picture. The next one, Josh. Uh, this one could, um, we're trying to find a picture of me. Because this is what I can look at times. <laughs> it's like my arms fold in. It's like, fine, I'll do it your way, but I'm not happy about it. Fine, I will submit, but I'm not happy about it. And maybe it's a silent treatment, um, and it's as far away from Christ-like submission. Um, this is actually controlling in, in a subtle way. You control your husband if, if that's what you're doing. You, you, you're sulking, and that can definitely be me. So... When we're looking at this scripture, I want us to put away our own cultures. So I want us to put away my Swedish culture. Uh, I want us to put away, I don't know, Brazilian, uh, English. And I want to challenge you to let scripture really speak to you this morning. Um, and put away bad experiences. You know, I really felt God speak to us during worship that he wants to bring a new song. And he, his ways are so much better than ours. Um, so he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for me. He has designed marriage. Who am I to qu even question him? Which I do a lot. But God knows what's best. And so I'm speaking to myself a lot here as well. Let's let God challenge us. And let's see what biblical submission is. So I'm going to start off by looking at Jesus as the perfect example. Um, I'm just going to read what it says in Ephesians, not Ephesians, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is Jesus. This is our king. Oh, it's not. Was it on there? Yeah, it's not the nicest picture. So you can move on if you want. But Jesus, being fully God, made himself nothing. He humbled himself. 
and he submitted to the will of the Father and actually dying on the cross for our sins. If we want to learn about submission in the first place, we need to look to Jesus. In the book that I've been reading, uh, which is talking about all sorts of life issues, it says this, submission is the essence of the Christian life for every believer. So submission is right at the heart of following Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, uh, we have to submit, just like he did. So you might say, okay, fine, what, what do we submit to and who do we submit to? And the first thing, which goes for all of us in here, regardless of our relationship status, so whether we are single, uh, we have been married, we uh, are married, it says, submit yourself then, in James, it says, submit yourself then to God and to the Word of God. That is our ultimate, you know, um, we submit to God. He is the one that we go to first. So an example of this would be, if Josh was to say something like, okay, fine, Nina, uh, or Nina, you are not to read the Bible anymore. You read it too much, so stop. Well, actually, my authority, and I want to follow Jesus, so that is where that goes above. So God's authority goes above Josh's authority. Do you see what I mean? But we are all to submit to God. We all come under his authority, and we want to become more like Jesus. Yeah? So submission to Christ and his ways is part of that. Um, we also, we, if we read in Timothy uh, chapter 5, we are called to submit to godly leaders um, and to, um, yeah, godly leadership. So we all come under their authority and their guidance. Uh, we are asked as well, when Joshua was reading Ephesians 5, 21, we are called to submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So as brothers and sisters in this setting, as church family, we submit to one another. We, um, yeah, I don't say any more about that. Uh, servants to masters, we read that in Ephesians 6. And what that means is we um, ask to submit to maybe our bosses or someone in authority above us and to do a good job and to do what they ask us to do with obviously knowing that God is our ultimate authority. Um, children, submit to parents in Ephesians 6. And then finally, we obviously we read in 5 verse 22, Ephesians chapter 5, wives also to submit to their husbands. So I wanted to go through those examples to show that we all are asked to submit. Number one, to God, to godly leaders, and, and, and so on, and to each other. So I want to just, before uh, Josh speaks, I want to talk about biblical submission because the word has been so damaged by our culture. Um, um, and so I want to look at what we mean by biblical submission. And what we read is we're reading, submit to your own husbands as we, sub as we submit to the Lord. So as wives, talking to females in this room, we are asked and given the direction that we come under the authority of the husband, that the husband is responsible for the family. Yes, we need to think about, we need to bear in mind what I said at the beginning, that uh, we are equal, 
okay? We're equal in God's eyes. We are created in the image of God. We work as a team, but there is an order, and that is that, that Josh is um, the head of our household, our family. It says that Christ is the head of the church, and the husband is the head of the wife. And so if we're saying this does not affect our culture anymore, we'll take that away. Wives are not to submit, or the husband is not the head anymore. If you take that part of the way, part away, you, you need to take the other part of the way. Um, sorry, let me start again. If you're taking that, it's one sentence. So if you're taking away the husbands are not uh, head of the wife, then you could, might as well also take away that Christ is not the head of the church anymore. And it's an extremely dangerous place to be because we, we are coming under the authority of Scripture that the Bible actually influences and shapes us. And if we start to say, oh, it doesn't apply to our culture, then we are in a very dangerous boat. So it's kind of like we need to settle in our own heart that God knows what is best for me. God knows what is best for our marriage. And that is that there is an order. Um, and I just want to say this is God's biblical truth and instruction. So I've written, if you don't agree, it is still true, if that makes sense. So if you think, mm, it doesn't work for our family, well, the reality is that if you are a husband, you are always the head of the wife. If you are a wife, you are asked to submit to your husband. And it's just a matter of whether you are going to do it well or not. Because this truth stands. Christ is the head of the church, and husband is the head of the wife. If you find this hard, just wait until Josh is going to talk. I always think that it's... That what comes after the wife bit is even more challenging. So submission is coming under the authority of the husband, and, and um, uh, the husband has the ultimate responsibility. It means serving. It means loving the husband. And it means that I help them, help Josh, become all that God has intended them to be. It means I have to be really secure in who I am in Christ. That my identity is not dependent on who I am as a wife, but my identity is I'm a child, a daughter of the living God. And my role in my marriage uh, is that I'm to, I mean, if you look at us, you will see teamwork. We work as team. But I am to help and love and serve Josh to be all that he can be in Christ. And I think as, as with anything in the kingdom of God, anything to do with God, it starts with our heart. We need to really look. I need to look at my own heart. If I struggle with this, uh, if I think uh, this is not what I'm going to do, we need to ask God to change us. We need to ask God to challenge us and to soften our hearts. So there's no point of submitting and be like this. That's not Christ-like submission. But it is asking, God, I'm struggling right now. Please uh, show me what true submission, Christ-like submission looks like. Uh, submission is also voluntary. You are never forced to submit um, to anyone. Um, it's just like Christ. He chose to, to become nothing on that cross uh, and to win and the ultimate battle to come down and rescue us. Submission can be happy. And joy-filled, uh, and it is because it is what the best is the best thing for us as wives. 
it can also be painful. So it's kind of like joy-filled, but also painful. Because we are asked by Christ, all of us, uh, to lay down our, to take up the cross. And that can be painful. That could sometimes mean putting other people, putting our husbands before ourselves, laying down our own agendas. So it's a joy, but it's also painful and difficult at times. Okay, super. Uh, thanks, Lena. Uh, so then uh, Paul turns to the husbands, um, and he says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ, uh, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In this culture, uh, love is very confused. Um, we get told by media, um, magazines, poems, books, films, that this is how you show love. That you show love by buying flowers, or by buying chocolates, or by whispering those three magical words, I love you. And that is how you demonstrate love. Um, those are good things. If you like flowers and chocolates, they're good things, and you're not allergic to them. However, that's not how the Bible tells men to love your wife. Um, 1 John 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I just repeat that, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Not by buying flowers or chocolates, but Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So Jesus' mission, the reason he came from heaven to earth, the reason that he left this perfect relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect relationship, the reason he left was to come to earth to give up his life, to die. That is Jesus' mission. He came, for God so loved the world, he sent his enemy. Why? So that he could die in our place, to voluntarily die. Jesus' most vivid expression of love was seen on the cross. Jesus' most vivid expression of love was demonstrated by going to the cross. Do you want to know what love is? It's giving everything up. It's going to the cross. That's what Jesus did for us, for everyone in this room who has accepted him as our Lord and our Saviour. He died for you. He loved you so much that he took off his um, he, he, he stepped out of his position of perfect relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he came, he took on flesh. He became a baby boy. And everything that goes with being a baby. He lived a life. He was eventually killed. He was spat at. He was mocked. He was, he was mocked by putting a purple robe on him and saying, the king will bow down for you. He was eventually put onto the cross. Why? He loved us. That is what love is. And Marlena Graves says this our love, too, like Jesus's, has to be tangible, not theoretical. Our love needs to be practical. Our love can't just be words, that doesn't cut it. It can't just be flowers, that doesn't cut it. It needs to be something much, much, much more radical. And Paul says, men, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He died for her. And that is, that is our responsibility. 
and it's very, very challenging. We can read, we can kind of sit back a little bit and think, well, Dean is talking about submission and this guy's like, well, that sounds like we've got the easy job. The reality is that men, you have a much harder job. You want to die to yourself so that your wife can be made beautiful, so that your wife can be everything that she is meant to be, everything that Jesus has called her to be. That is the role of man in the marriage, to die to self. And I think, men, if we get good at that, I just think it should be easy to submit. It should be easy to submit to someone who says, no, I want to, I want to put you first. I want to do everything for you. I want to die to myself. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you flourish. Actually, that, so that sort of person should be quite easy to submit to. And so the main point that I really want to land talking to the men is very, very, very simple, really. Men, give up yourselves for your wives. Sacrifice yourself, just as Jesus did for the church. That's what Paul is calling us to do. And notice the point uh, of Jesus giving up of himself. He says this, um, where does it say it? Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus' mission, Jesus gave himself up to one day present himself, the church, without spot, without blemish, in perfection. He wants the church, us, the bride of Christ, that is us we're talking about, he wants the church to be as beautiful as possible. And how does he do that? By dying in her place. And so men, our role is to make your wife as beautiful as possible. To give her as many opportunities as possible to serve. To be as a bride is. To be spotless. And how do we do that? We do that by laying down our lives. We do that by putting our wives in front of us. And so when it comes to decision making, so there's not, there's not, I think, I'm thinking, okay, how do you land this practically? I think it's very, very different. But when it comes to decision making, put your wife in front of yourself. And that could be really simple things and silly things, like there's two bits of cake, one's bigger than the other. Offer them to your wife. Does she want a bigger bit or a smaller bit? Yeah. Put her in front of you. But it can also be some really serious things. Like, okay, well, where are we going to be moving? I've had this passion all my life, but my wife isn't quite on board with it. Well, then, actually, we want to we want to surrender. We want to sacrifice ourselves to our wife. We want to put our wives in front of ourselves. So we're going to finish. Should we say a couple more things? Or should we finish? Okay, Nina's just going to finish, just to run through a couple of really practical things, um, and then we're going to finish. Okay, um, so uh, when I wrote this, I will read this very quickly because we need to, if we have kids, we need to go and get them. And I put things that we have learned, and then I changed it to things that we are learning. 
Um, so just a few uh, practical points. The first one is to single people. So this could be that you are dating, but it could also be that you are hoping that one day you will be married. Um, and my, I would just encourage you to think, can you be in partnership? Um, so if you find that you're looking for a wife or a husband, you need to look for someone who has the same passion as you in church. Are you equally yoked? Is my encouragement. Uh, are you uh, passionate about Christ? Are you passionate about the church? Um, and if you are a girl, you need to see, can you in the future respect your husband well enough to um, to submit to him, to come under his authority? It's just some practical things to think about, with all sorts of other things to think about as well. The other thing I want to say as well is change. If you want something to change in your marriage, um, I would um, it starts with me. So rather than me coming to Josh and says, right Josh, you do this, this and this, you need to change, which I have done. It's not helpful, but actually if, I, if, if we need to have change happening, I need to be responsible for myself and change always starts with me. Um, uh, have time for one another. So um, what, I, what I was thinking here was, um, this might be easy if you don't have children. It might be difficult if, you, if you're working or if you have young children. It's not so easy, but have time for one another. Uh, Prioritise one another and have fun. Like we talk about marriage, it is really serious and it can be really difficult, but it can also be really fun. Um, and so uh, have prioritised one another. Get a babysitter in. Uh, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but do some fun stuff together. Spend time together because that's going to do your marriage good. Be patient. There will be days when I'm not so easy to love. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> I want to joke. But um, be patient with one another. Yeah? Josh can really annoy me sometimes, but I just be like, okay, yeah, sorry. But uh, it's, uh, it's so important to just be, be thinking, you know, be patient, be loving, be gracious to one another, give each other space, um, and know who you are married to. So, understand uh, how your husband feels loved and how your wife feels loved. This is, if you're not married, this is really important because we all love in different ways and often we show love the way we want to, to receive love. So Josh is really practical. So I go away on a weekend away and he went, or I went to see my parents, I come back and half the house has been painted and decorated. Because he, he shows love in a practical way. I often say, I love you, because I speak love. Um, and it's just understanding that Josh is a practical person. He receive, he knows that I love him when I show that in a practical way. That can be having sex. Um, he likes gifts. I'm not so good at giving gifts. I'm learning that. And we all show love in, in, in different ways. And we need to know who we are married to. We need to know how they feel loved. And finally, I've said the same thing as what Josh said, pray, 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 and pray, everything. Pray for your marriage, pray for your husband, pray for your wife, and pray together. This is something that we are learning to do, and it's really powerful. I'm done, and we are done. So we want to honor our kids' workers. So if you have children, please pick them up. We also had some books, which I can't see anywhere. Now, there are lots of books out there on marriage, but I can recommend these two because I've read them. <laughs> so the first one is Loveology. They are
language. This is written by an American guy called John Lamar Popa. It's really good. I can recommend to, to read it, whatever your uh, relationship status is. It's a really good book, uh, really practical and very easy to read. And this one uh, I read, and it's talking about making marriage beautiful. And it's all, that's by a lady called Dorothy Rippo, also really good. So read them. And I will stop talking. Have a good week, everyone. And we are.